Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong, the podcast. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, the book You're Saying It Wrong, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Every episode, Kathy and Ross send me a word, I try to pronounce that word, I may be wrong, I may be right, and then we just see where that takes us. Before we get to that, though, let's of course say hi to Kathy and Ross. Kathy, hey, coming to us from Seattle, how's it going today? Hey, Fletcher. How you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to talk to you. And also, Ross Petrus, uh, who's in Toronto. Hey there, Ross. Hey, Fletcher. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, you guys have given me a word today. I think it's a delicious frozen treat. Uh, it's spelled S-H-E-R-B-E-T. Now, here's the thing. is That's spelled sherbet. My mouth really, really, really wants to say sherbet. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it the way it's spelled and say that this word is supposed to be pronounced sherbet, but I'm doing it under a little bit of protest because I think it ought to be sherbet. Good for you, Fletcher. That's the correct answer. It's sherbet. And interestingly enough, just recently, a couple weeks ago on Jeopardy, there was a uh, clue, the main difference between two desserts that end in the same three letters. And the Jeopardy champion said, what is sorbet and sherbet? Alex Trebek said, eh, wrong, and he lost $800. The problem is, is, is like you said, um, it's extremely common to want to say sherbet. I mean, I think most of us who grew up, I remember as a kid asking for sherbet. And the funny thing is, is there is, as you know, there is no R in it, but people have started spelling it actually, S-H-E-R-B-E-R-T, because of the way it's pronounced, or the way it's incorrectly pronounced, I should say. So it's one of those cases where you're starting to get a variant spelling because so many people mispronounce it. Can I get technical here for a minute? Putting in uh, another vowel or a consonant in a word where it doesn't really belong is a technical. There's a technical word called apenthesis, which is a linguistic term meaning you shove in a different uh, letter or sound into a word. And the R apenthesis is not amazingly common, but it's fairly common. And a lot of times there was a professor of um, linguistics at the University of California who looked at people shoving R's in where they don't belong. And it was fascinating for me because I do it twice. I've done it with two other words as well. There's a ne nearby town. Kathy, what's the name of the town? H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E. How do you pronounce it? Hawthorne. I say Hawthorne. I put an R in it. My wife noticed it a couple of weeks ago and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing R apenthesis. That's like a Jersey thing though, actually, putting a Jersey in New York thing, adding the R. Like think, think about like Uncle Jim. I'm sorry, you don't know Uncle Jim Fletcher, but he would add R's. <laughs> but there are different kinds of things like that. Also pejorative, I say pejorative, it's pejorative. Interesting. I've never heard pejorative before. Well, I, you've now heard it. You've heard me saying it, and, I, and it's wrong. It's pejorative. But apenthesis is really common, usually more, much more common using vowel sounds. Like, Kathy, you can throw in, what's our favorite word? Decathlon. Oh, that one drives me crazy. The word decathlon, D -E, it's spelled decathlon, D-E-C-A-T-H-L-O-N. But I don't know about you guys, but I've always said decathlon pentathlon, heptathlon. It's, if you want to throw in that, that uh sound in there, but it's not. That's, that is actually one that stunned me. When Ross and I did our book, 
that was one word. I remember, Ross, I think it was you who found the word, and I was stunned to think that it was decathlon, decathlon. I know, we should both know right. that. We're Greek in background, and the Greek word for contest is athlon. And decathlon is, you know, 10 contests, or, you know, pent is uh, five contests. But we both did not, we both mispronounced that word commonly, and we still te are tempted to do so. And the reason why we shove in these little uh, vowels or consonants is it's easier usually to say the word with those vowels or consonants. Think about it. I mean, the fla is, it's usually when it's a consonant cluster, like fla. Fla doesn't sound great in English. Thala sounds a lot nicer in English. You mentioned the R especially. Um, I, I mean, my my mother is someone who says warsh. She would say that, that Kathy is from Seattle, Washington. What do you think it is about the letter R that gets thrown into words that don't really seem to need them at all? Well, again, it's partly, it's called R assimilation. And it's a lot of times there was this, uh, again, this uh, professor had done a study and most of the time the R is used, it, you sort of anticipate the R. If there's another R in the sentence, like sure bet, sure Bert, you throw the other R in. But there's also like about 30% of the time there's it's shoved in to after a uh sound and no one really is sure why there's a lot of talk about it and there's not too many definitive conclusions about it the one thing we do know though is it it's sporadic like i said before i would say hawthorne kathy doesn't say hawthorne my wife went to hawthorne elementary school she never said it either it sort of pops in and out and there's no one that's the one thing, wonderful thing about language you, you can constantly do experiments and you never know what you're doing I also find it really fascinating that you said people, uh, you know, are actually spelling sherbet uh, with an extra R now because of that mispronunciation. Well, that's that's actually a very common thing. Yeah. It, and, and you're seeing there's certain dictionaries, Merriam-Webster's one, American Heritage, that will list what they call often variant spellings. Um, and and they become they're becoming so much more common. You see now more often if you do a check on what's called the Google Ngram viewer, and that's like you can see the usage of words, you actually can find that Sherbert is becoming more common than the correct or technically correct Sherbet, which is which is a very weird thing. So then decathlon, same thing, taking the flan words, that's becoming a more common spelling. And the one that really threw me, if we're talking right now about what Ross was talking about, epenthesis, is this one blew my mind. The word, okay, I don't know about you guys, but I've always said rigmarole. I mean, I don't say rigmarole often, but the word to me is always rigmarole, right? It's not. It's not. It's rigmarole. No, it's rigmarole. It's rigmarole. No I mean, way. I, I, that blew, I was like mind blown on that one. Yeah. There's no A in the first part of a word. It's rigmarole. It's even spelled without the A. It's spelled R-I-G-M-A-R-O-L-E. Yeah. I can hardly believe that. I've never I've never heard rigmarole. <laughs> Nor I. I. Yeah, no, I was stunned. But interestingly enough, there are like all these arguments on linguistics blogs. And some American was saying, obviously, it's easier to say rigmarole. And the Brit said, what are you talking about? We all say rigmarole. And sure enough, Kath and I looked at the numbers. And I mean, the global corpus of online English, rigmarole was uh, seen 28 times more uh, 28 times more than uh, rigmarole, but only six times more in England. So therefore, it's much more common in the States. I don't know why. Well, the, it, the weird thing, but it came from, and it makes sense that it's rigmarole, because it, it came from this game called Ragman's Roll, and you'd pull uh, things out of a roll of writing, and it was called Ragman's Roll. It doesn't sound like a fun game, but, you know, what the heck. 
it was back in the 1700s and I don't know what they were playing but um so it makes sense actually that it's rigmarole but I can't still say it I, I, I it's in my mouth goes like protests very mightily when I try to say it correctly but it's interesting with all of these appendices because a lot of times it makes sort of sense. Think of the word, I and mean, this is a correct appendices. Think of the word that you use when you're driving a car that tells you how fast you go. What do you call it? The speedometer? Right. It's not a speed meter. We, we chuck a little uh in there. Right. It's a speedometer. But that's like an appendices between two words, speed and meter. Technically, I, you would think that you wouldn't need the uh in there, but you do for sound, for you, you know, to make it sound better. But then why wouldn't, why, why rigmarole without the uh? Because again, we have the same, we have two consonants, rigmarole. And think of how your tongue works. You basically want to mm. relax your mouth. You have a guh sound, then you have to switch over to a must sound. Mm. And what a, a penthesis does oh, is no, it gives I you a little kind saying, of a shot but it's, to... But it's not, it's not, uh, what's what I'm looking for? It doesn't, it doesn't apply across the board, again. Language is inconsistent. In some cases it does, in some cases it doesn't. Let's circle back around to sherbet. Where does that? Where does the word come from, and why is it different from sorbet? It comes can also be pronounced sorbet, incidentally. But I, but I intrude. Go on, Ross. You were starting. Oh no, no. It's, it comes from the Arabic uh, sharaba, uh, sharba, which is uh, it means to drink in Arabic, and then sharba is drink, and uh, it came into uh, English probably via. Arabic from from Arabic to Persian, Zarbet, uh, and then to Turkish, and then from there into English. But there's never been in the Islamic languages that used the stuff originally, there was never an R. The R kind of like crept in, I think, because we were talking about it sounds better to English ears, and it crept in, but it was never particularly common. Uh, there was a blog on Merriam-Webster that was saying, you know, you can say it either way, and they say it's been pronounced sherbet for years as well as sherbet. But we looked, and I think the Oxford English Dictionary has probably a hundred usages of sherbet and like three of sherbert. It's true. And they also list like so many other pronunciations, and the the R pronunciation is is only one, where there are variations on the serbet, serbet, you know what I mean? So the adding the R at the end is, is not quite as common at all. The funny thing to me, though, is both sherbet and sorbet or sorbet entered English at roughly about the same time. And they're saying sorbet came, they think, probably from uh, the Italian sorbetto. But we pronounce it more often the French way, the sorbet way, whereas British, uh, in British English, it's pronounced sorbet more often, which I kind of like. Sorbet. The key thing I really enjoyed lear learning about how to pronounce sherbet or talking about it was that I didn't really know the distinction between sherbet and ice cream until a couple of months ago. Sherbet is 1% to 2% dairy cream. Ice cream is 10% dairy cream. And it's like rigorously uh, enforced in the United States. You cannot call something sherbet, sherbet if it has 3% dairy cream. Ice cream is also a lot easier to say. It is. <laughs> Although technically it should be, technically though, Fletcher, it shouldn't be ice cream. It should be a long time ago was iced cream and then it lost the D. But I mean, who says iced cream? I never do. That always gets me though, going back to the, the pronunciation and the spelling thing. Like when I said people are actually spelling it Sherbert, um, another word that gets the additional letter in there is hamster. Uh, it's getting more and more common to see it spelled hamster. Oh, with like a P. New Hampshire. Yeah, which is obviously incorrect. But again, I mean, that's a case where it's not just, it's not really pronounced as much hamster. People say hamster, but they spell it with the P, even though they don't pronounce the P. But again, though, that uh, it does, there's a slight, if, if you say it, 
there's a mm -hmm. slight P sound a lot to it. And again, we go back to the consonants getting chuved together. The ham, mm. the m and the stir, you need kind of a break, and that's where the P comes in. Um, it's like empty, I was going to say. It used to be empty, E-M-T-I. It didn't have a P in the spelling, but because you sort of pronounce it that way, it got it, the P became part of the regular way of spelling it. And then to use another example, thunder used to be thunner or thuner, and then the D kind of shoved itself its way in, and now we say thunder. So epenthesis is very interesting. <laughs> and it's a nice word to say. It sounds like very impressive, doesn't it? Oh, epenthesis, yes. Doesn't it? Or does it sound like a, like a medical thing? <laughs> I'm going in for my epenthesis. <laughs> but it's a very common thing in all languages. I mean, it does come up in all languages. I'm trying to think of something. Well, you have it also, like a lot of times, uh, the, this is a word, this is a pet peeve of mine, actually. Fletcher, how do you pronounce um, M-I-S... C-H-I-E-V-O-U-S. I say mischievous. Correct. A lot of people say mischievous. Mm -hmm. they, they, they shove in, this is a vowel in their vowel apenthesis, and um, it becomes, it's, it's gotten to the point now where you're seeing more and more people spelling it with, with the I that doesn't belong in there. That was interesting, actually, Kathy, you said that, because Oxford English Dictionary did a survey and in England, more people say mischievous than say mischievous, and more people write mischievous than they write mischievous. So it is becoming, it's injecting itself into the language. And you see, I bet, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I bet Americans hear Brits saying mischievous and think, ooh, they must know better because they've got a British accent and are saying mischievous more often. That's a, that's a really good point. Really? Don't you think? Honestly. I think so. I think you're probably right. However, we insist on mischievous. Well, that that brings me to another question. At what point do you uh, sort of give up and say, okay, popular culture or popular popular ways of, of saying this word uh, has now passed us by and we should just allow a certain word to be pronounced a certain way? We should just go ahead and allow sherbet or, or in, at some point in the future, nuclear. I think there's no hard and fast rule. A nuclear, there's a hard and fast rule. <laughs> yeah, right. Forget it. <laughs> You've crossed the line. <laughs> but in most cases, we don't think there really should be. I mean, England English doesn't have a, an academy like the French do. There's no one way to you know pronounce something correctly or not correctly. Our tendency is to think if most people say it this way, if most experts or people you're going to be talking to, like sherbet manufacturers or whatever, say sherbet, why don't you say sherbet? Why, why switch it? After a while, though, when it becomes generally accepted, there's no hard and fast rule, though. What's generally accepted? I think what's generally accepted is what makes the clearest communication to other people. What, what do other people hear, and how do you want to talk to them in a, in a clear way? And what's ever clear, say it. I think what fascinates me, though, is, Fletcher, what you've hit on is a huge fight in um, the linguistic community. There are those people who would say things should be cast in stone, like it is sherbet and that's that, and you be quiet if you want to say sherbet, go stand in the corner. But, I mean, other people go, well, come on, it's a growing language. As Ross said, if, if it still communicates, sherbet's fine. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. Ross and I tend to fall in the middle, where it's like certain things like nuclear. It's just like, no. But I mean, like I would, I mean, if you say sherbet, I don't, I, I wouldn't sneer. But I would actually recommend that he say sherbet at the same time. It's a very okay, fuzzy sort of thing. <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, I think I'm gonna head out now and just get a nice milkshake. We've got this great place around the corner, and I at least know they'll be sure of what I'm talking about when I make my order. 
Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Ross. Okay, great. great. Thank you. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You can check out special artwork for this episode and every episode designed by Jordan Kirtley at KMUW.org. The book You're Saying It Wrong was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's new book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written plenty of other stuff, and they're always up to something. You can check out their other work and whatever else they've got going on through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. This is a song from 1939 by the composer Ben Homer. It's called Shoot the Sherbet to Me Herbert. Shoot the liquor to me, Tom Boy. No, no. No? No, the liquor don't get it. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. And Sherbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Important to note is that the title of the song is indeed Shoot the Sherbet to Me Herbert, but obviously you can hear the chorus saying Sherbert. Now, some people seem to think that this song is actually what's responsible for the widespread use of the pronunciation Sherbert, although I don't really think I buy that. It seems more like they're taking advantage of the fact that people already commonly pronounce the word Sherbert, and they're using it to make that cute rhyme. But that's not actually what's interesting about this to me. The song is performed by Tommy Dorsey and his Clambake 7, with vocals by Edith Wright. And to me, it's what Edith Wright does that I really notice. No, no. No? No, the liquor don't get it. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. And Sherbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Shoot the Sherbert to me, Herbert. Don't know if you caught it, but the chorus singing in the song clearly pronounces the word Sherbert. But to my ears at least, and you might think I'm nuts, I think Edith Wright clearly pronounces it Sherbet, totally ruining the rhyme. Here, listen again. Shoot the Sherbet to me, Herbert. I guess I don't really have anything mind-blowing to say about this. I'm just really, really curious why it happened. It seems like the whole point of the line is to make that silly rhyme, but Wright has no interest in doing that. Did no one tell her? Did she know that it's actually Sherbet and just refuse to mispronounce it? I gotta know. By the way, if you're wondering just what shoot the sherbet to me Herbert means, it seems to be generally accepted that it's a little bit of nonsense slang and maybe a little bit refers to the trumpet player shooting out some hot licks for everyone to hear. I prefer to believe that someone's actually out there lobbing icy treats around the room for everyone to enjoy, but maybe that's just me. And last thing, for as light and fun as this song sounds, it's got a super dark ending. Hey, Tommy. What you want, Edith? You forgot something. What's that? You forgot to shoot Herbert. Oh, yeah. I got him. Man, wouldn't want to be Herbert.